I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Align Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander, and today I had the privilege of speaking to Mr. Danny Dreyer, the founder of Chi Running. In this conversation, we chatted about actionable tips on how you can run better, move better, breathe better. We got into developing Chi in your body. We got into sex. We got into all sorts of fantastic topics. I know you guys are going to love this conversation. Everything comes down to yin and yang. I would say science has been slow to catch up. And most scientists think that they're leading the show and everybody else needs to catch up with their understanding. I have the system of alignment and relaxation. Both of them have to be there. Be sure to leave a review in iTunes. Be sure to subscribe, share. I greatly appreciate that. I love reading the comments. They make me smile every single time. And uh, be sure to check on out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find hundreds of absolutely free videos on functional movement and how to take best care of your body possible. You can find online coaching. You can find the self-care kit. So much good value on that site. I know you guys are going to love it. All right, here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Danny Dreyer. Align Podcast. So, Danny Dreyer, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so stoked to get to chat with you. Um, normally, I don't start off with quotes when I when I interview folks, <laughs> but in your book, you were, you had so many really really fantastic quotes. I, I've like scribbled down a whole bunch, and so I just wanted to kind of get things going with a quote from Mr. Aristotle, which was. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. So I want to kind of make sure, and I know that that's not going to be a problem, that we kind of go down that direction during this chat of really getting into like actual information for folks on how they can really get into every moment being an opportunity to optimize themselves. You know, and I know that's your whole thing after reading your book. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of like what led you specifically, what led you into writing a book about running? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I wouldn't have written a book about running had I just been a runner. (laughs) But I had been a runner for 25 years, and then a friend of mine introduced me to a Tai Chi teacher. I was living in Boulder at the time. And uh, another town like Bend, Oregon. (laughs) I've I've actually lived in Boulder. I moved from Boulder about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I went to this Tai Chi class, and it I was an ultra marathoner at the time, so I was doing super long distances, longer than a marathon, and uh, doing pretty well at it. But then, after I went to this Tai Chi class and learned how this guy was um, working with a body alignment, with relaxation, with uh, not putting a lot of strength into the moving parts, but really moving from your core, uh, I started applying that to my running and my long distance running, and it started making monster differences. And so uh, I practiced that for a couple of years and then I started teaching it to people when I moved to San Francisco and I had incredible results from just regular everyday normal runners 
who are all of a sudden doing incredible things. And just from bringing the principles of Tai Chi into my running, uh, that gave me something to write about. And that's what I've been studying ever since. I was 16 years ago. Well, a uh, statistic that I saw just recently was something like 70% of, of runners or people that call themselves runners will end up getting injured at some point in their running career. Did you have some type of experience like that where it's like, I gotta, I'm got to, breaking my yeah. body down, i got to figure out a new path or how did that go? Oh, yeah, I definitely, as an ultra runner, I, you know, I'd get to some places in my training. I remember one point in my training, I would... Every time I got past 20 miles, I, my knee would start to hurt. I finally figured that out, realigned my legs, worked at it, and then all of a sudden something else would happen after about 30 miles. You know, that would hold pretty good, but then as I went longer, uh, something else would show up. So, yeah, you know, if you're an ultra marathoner, the whole idea is to um, make it to the finish line <laughs> in one piece and not get carried off the course in a body bag or something like that. And so I was constantly having to work at improving my technique. And so when I started throwing this uh, information from Tai Chi into my technique, that's when the injuries started going away, my efficiency really increased, my time started coming down, and you know my enjoyment level went through the roof. It was so different. And so that's when I started teaching classes, putting it into books, doing the whole thing. Nice. And what exactly is Tai Chi? What exactly is Chi? You know, this energetic life force yeah. streaming through us. Like, you know, I think a lot of people would kind of, they, they don't like to allow their minds to go in those kind of places. Like, oh, if I can't see it, touch it, taste it, smell it, it's not there. You know, like, <laughs> what, do you, what, what is your explanation for folks in the world that are, uh, have that perception? Well, it's basically the energy that moves through your body that creates life. If you don't have chi running through your system, you are officially dead. <laughs> Simple as that. You don't even have to believe in it. I mean, you don't have to trust me. You know, if the chi leaves your body, you are history. You know, and uh, but it's the thing that gives life to animate objects. It is like you know, I mean, it it amazes me that people haven't already figured this out. Kind of. I mean, you can see, you know, if you have a pet cat, you know, or something like that, you see the thing walking around, moving around, someday it's dead, and there is, it's just dead. All of a sudden, it's not moving. What happened? What's the difference? Right. What is not in that cat now that was in it before? Yeah. You know? Chi. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, for me, I came from a very scientific background, and, you know, if I wasn't able to, I was in that realm where if I couldn't grab it if I couldn't if it wasn't like Newtonian physics like the apple falls 9.8 meters per second squared plow on the ground like every time got it yeah you know, I was like I don't want to yeah. waste my time with that stuff you know I want I want to be yeah. able to actually grab it or invest my time in something that I can you know and what started to happen with me is I think during that time frame you know a I was you know I was younger but I had a lot of blockages in my own system. I still do. I'm working with them every day. You know, I'm working with them right before I got on this call. I'm working with them as we're talking. You know, but I had these blockages that kind of impeded me from having that connection with that, you know, internal flow through your body. You know, and so mm -hmm. something that I think that that will open people's perceptions up to concepts like chi, which I mean, this has been around for thousands and thousands of years. This is not like yeah. Danny yeah. Dreyer, you know, <laughs> came up with chi. Yeah, I, would, like, I would say science has been slow 
slow to catch up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and most scientists think that they're leading the show right. and everybody else needs to catch up with their understanding. It's totally the opposite. Right. It's like the Chinese have been practicing this forever. I'll give you, and everybody can find an example, okay, of what chi is and how you can actually feel it in your body. You, you go out for the weekend, take a drive in your car, you go up the mountains, hike around through all the mountain lakes or something like that. You come back after going away and doing that something feels different in your body. You feel energized. You feel like, wow, that was a pretty cool thing to do. What are you feeling? Right. You know, I mean, you're the same person. What are you feeling? Right. From that experience that you had, you actually allowed chi to start moving through your body. So you can actually feel energy. And, right. you know, it's not something you create. It's something you create the chances to flow. Right. You know? You know, so uh, it's, it's, it's all about that, that relative change, you know, it's like, so I, yes. I do, I do body work with people, you know, and, or, you know, even if I'm doing self care, teach them how to use foam rollers or myofascial release balls or whatever, people don't know what the heck's going on in their body until if you create a dramatic shift in someone's right shoulder, all of a sudden yeah. they say, Whoa, my left shoulder feels like crap. You know, and that's yeah, kind of yeah, like, exactly. that's the beginning of like, exactly. okay, what happened there? You know, so yeah. I'm curious for you, like, what's, what are some practices that you do yourself? What are some practices that you suggest? What's the most optimal, effective way for people to actually harness chi energy in their own body? Well, the best way really to work with chi in your body is to get rid of the blocks right. of chi in your body. Okay, so that's tension and that's misalignment in your frame. That's, you know, so if you hold tension, um, anytime you hold tension, you're blocking the flow of energy through your body. And you can see the effects in athletes. Go watch the Olympics, you know. Go watch some guy who's holding tension run against some guy who's not, who's going to win, you know. Right. The guy that's the most relaxed because he's not blocking his flow of energy, the ability of his muscles just to stay loose and really contract and expand just like they need to. There's nothing else happening. So it's uh, not just about muscular relaxation. It's about mental relaxation. It's about your attitude. It's about, you know, getting energy to move through your body really is um, as much involved in your mind as it is your body. So, you know, you're, um, you need to clear your mind. You need to do relaxation or deep breathing, whatever it takes to really get your mind to calm down. And at the same time, you need to learn how to move your body in a way where you're not holding tension that restricts it from the movement that it could normally have, right. you know. And some of that has to do with some people who are just naturally tight. You need to increase your range of motion, okay. So some people start at the very basic level of just trying to work on their range of motion. Then other people work on, you know, um, work on their body alignment to where, you know, if you've got a twist in your spine, that's going to affect how you walk, how you run, how you stand. You know, if your head is on crooked or if like, you know, whatever your body is going, whatever's going on in your body that is not aligned with uh, being able to create the most energy to move through it, that's where you need to start. So a lot of people when they try to go, like I coach runners, so a lot of runners just want to run fast. And what I tell them is, you know, you can run fast if you go out and just build a lot of muscles and work your ass off and get, you know, all kinds of intervals and strength training and stuff like that. That's one way to work fast. Or you can do a lot less work by just learning how to relax and using a lot of other different principles, the kind of principles we show in um, Qi running, principles that don't involve a lot of strength. 
but do involve allowing your body to move easier. So I want to be clear with um, just like when we're using language like relax, I think one of the things that, and, and this, you might totally disagree with me on this, but I was curious. One of the things I think oftentimes the issue with people is they're too relaxed in certain parts of their body, you know? So sure. it's like the whole entire system, it's, it needs to be balanced in order to achieve that state of homeostasis in order to achieve that state of relaxation. You know, so I'm curious from your perception of things, you know, like, cause if someone is already so tweaked out in their back or their quads are just, you know, on fire, their psoas and they, you know, they're, they're just, their body is not well organized. Their tensegrity structure is all tweaked out, you know, yeah. And you say them, you tell them, Hey, just relax. You know, like what, mm. what's, what's the process with that? Cause I know that doesn't, doesn't always work. No, it doesn't work. And, and what the, the way I go about it in, in my chi running is I, I have the system of alignment and relaxation. Both of them have to be there, have to be there. So your alignment has to do with your postural alignment with your, your alignment with the pull of gravity. That's postural alignment. <laughs> you know, you have to deal with the pull of gravity. Yeah. And also, in order to be more efficient, you have to be aligned with the direction you're headed so that all your body motion is aligned with where you're headed. You know, so if there's some part of your body that's swinging the wrong direction or you're tipping side to side as you move or anything like that, it's going to affect your um, directional alignment. And then the, but your support alignment, your gravitational, I call it gravitational alignment, that has to be strong. That has to be whatever muscles hold you up, hold you on a one-legged posture stance, hold you on your support stance if you're running or walking, that moment when one leg is on the ground, if there's anything that's weak there and not holding you in alignment, that's going to cost you. So when I say relaxation, I'm talking about Engaging the muscles it takes to remain aligned as you moved, but relaxing the moving parts. Right. So when you talk about, you know, your cranial sacral area of your body needs to be aligned. That's that tensegrity you're talking about. Yeah. But all of the arms, legs, hips, shoulders, that stuff needs to be relaxed. So in terms of Tai Chi, everything comes down to yin and yang. Yin is kind of like a gathering energy. Yang is an expansive energy, right? right? So this gathering energy is all about your support alignment. Yang is all about the expansiveness and mobility of the moving parts. So there's a non-moving part. There's your structure, your internal structure along your spine. And then there's the moving part that is your arms and legs. So, yeah, I don't want someone to be like a Gumby you know, that it's rela total relaxation doesn't get anybody anywhere. That's part of the problem with uh, somebody who does what I would call too much yoga. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think, uh, I mean, there's so many misconceptions in the movement world, you know, and it's like yoga is one oh, of yeah. those things. I think if you go back to the, the seed of yoga, yoga is great stuff, you know, but what we've, what's mm -hmm. happened is it's become diluted and now all of a sudden it's turning into this like stretch sweat class, you know, and that yeah. has nothing yeah. to do with yoga or union or yoke. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's not yoga anymore. You know, no. I think that there's a, but, but oftentimes we have this conception that if we can reach our head between our, you know, our legs and kiss our butt cheeks, then all of a sudden, like we're healthy. <laughs> that has nothing to do with health. 
Oh no, nothing. You know, and so I'm, I'm it means, curious. It means you're limber. It just, right, <laughs> too limber, you know? And so I'm, I'm curious, as far as like actionable steps, I know this stuff's really difficult to explain, but um, mm-hmm. is there anything that you can tell people as far as like how they can start taking a look at themselves to see how balanced sure. they are right now? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the best ways that I've ever seen is to get two bathroom scales, right. identical bathroom scales, and stand with one foot on one and one foot on the other. Right. <laughs> That's a wake-up call for most people. <laughs> 200 pounds on one because, leg. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, it'll show you that one leg is way working hard and one leg is way not working hard. Right. And that's an imbalance right there. The other thing people can do is look uh, at a side view of themselves in a full-length mirror. Mm-hmm. And what you're shooting for in your postural alignment is to have a, ver- a straight vertical line that's able to run through your ear, your shoulder, your hip joint, and your ankle. Right. And most people, 85% of most people, have their hips too far forward. Right. Okay, that disengages your core, and it throws your lower back into all kind of compromised <laughs> uh, positions. And uh, so if you try to move that way, it's really hard on your body. So I would say work on aligning your body better that way first. When you really do stand straight and tall, you can actually feel a light tension in your lower abs, and that's part of your core that's actually holding your posture upright. If you don't feel that, then it's just your overstretched ligaments kind of supporting your body weight, and that is not and doesn't have any integrity to it. What do you see with most people that is lacking in their systems as far as, you know, either too much contraction or not enough contraction? Like, what's the thing that, that you notice the most when you're working, doing workshops or working with clients? Not enough engagement in their core muscles. Not which, very which little. Core, which core muscles? Because that's a big, I would big say the transverse abdominus muscles and the rectus abdominus. You know, the, the actually, well, actually, it's the lower in running it's more important to have your lower abdominals, the ones below your belly button, those lower ones, because uh, anything above that you don't really need when you're running, but you do need to free up your diaphragm to be able to breathe deeply. So if you can isolate your lower abdominal muscles and your transverse abdominus, that's the stability of your pelvis has a lot to do with how efficiently you move. Okay. And then with your path with discovering Tai Chi, was it like, you know, you were hiking through the Himalayas and all of a sudden you discovered <laughs> Master Shu or you're like, how, what was, what was your path with that? And how has that formed your perception of not just running, but life in general? Yeah. Well, my whole introduction to Tai Chi was when I, after I, I left Boulder in 1998 and uh, I had been practicing Tai Chi for a little while then with a, a master from China. And I met George when I was, I would run every day through Golden Gate Park on my way to the ocean and back. And, uh, and I would, was looking for a Tai Chi teacher. And then when I met George, um, he was willing to work with me to bring Tai Chi into running. And I told him, I said, I don't care if I really learn Tai Chi as an art, but I want to learn what you do and how to apply that to my running. And he lit up. He said, wow, this is perfect because I know that all of the elements of Tai Chi can be used in any movement activity. That means any sport, any movement activity, and make it better. And so he worked with, we worked together for nine years. And, and what you realize is that Tai Chi is set up on many levels. It's set up on a physical level. And George would say, okay, we got to get your bones, ligaments, and tendons in order first. 
There's the very first thing. We're not going to go anywhere until we get that happening. So that's what I'm talking about, structure and alignment and all of that. How do you... How do you ground yourself out? How do you feel stable in your legs or your posture or your structure? Get that done first. Then once you get that done, he taught me to, then you take it into movement. You take those structural principles and add movement to it. So the basic structure is like the earth element. Earth, that's like what supports us all. There's earth. The next one is water. You take that earth, you want to move it, what do you do? You add water. So that's this whole midsection of your body is your water band, you know, your kidneys, your small intestine, your bladder, all the water organs are even located there. But that's the part of your body that needs to move in order for your pelvis to move and loosen and create movement. And then he says, then once you get your stability and your mobility together, then you can add power and performance and all that. So you don't even mess with the next level until you have these two basic levels together first you know, earth and water. Then you can add fire. And fire is performance. It's uh, power. It's running up hills. It's when you need strength, but you don't apply that. You don't apply that extra amount of oomph unless your instrument is already working really well. Right. The structure and the mobility. So, um, and that, that's just the physical level. And then you take it to the emotional level. You know, how do you align yourself emotionally? You take it to the mental level. How do you align yourself mentally? How do you work mentally? How do you, all of these principles go all the way through all the levels of being human. Mm. Okay. There's, there's, uh, and he never made any distinction (laughs) that uh, if you're working on one, you weren't working on another. (laughs) You are, you know. And so, uh, the best way to progress through learning how to move your body is really learning how to move on all levels, right. all levels, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, and the lessons I've learned from Tai Chi absolutely work straight across into lessons on life. I mean, if I design a training program, it's no different than designing a business plan. Right. Yeah. No different. Right. And uh, if I, uh, you know, form a new relationship with somebody, it is no different than when I start learning a new thing like Tai Chi. You know, you start off with the structure. How do we interact? How do we agree? Then you go into movement. How do we like flow together? Then you get into like, okay, how can we work together? You know, it's, it, it, it always works on all levels, all the time. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. every, it's hard every, to ignore. Yeah, every sing, everything that I've ever really gotten deeply into I end up creating metaphors for everything else in my life relating back to that thing. You know, so when it was yeah. jujitsu, it was like, everything is like jujitsu. It's the, you know, you're rolling and you're reading the other opponent, you know, it's like, and it's like, if it's body work, everything's body work for you. If it's running, everything is running. You know, everything is metaphoric for everything else. You know, and the deeper yeah. you get into anything and it's like, you could be like a cockroach salesman. You know, if you get down to like yeah. the, the deepest realms, you know, of how to really effectively sell cockroaches, you will find how that relates to everything else. You know, so it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, again, that relates yeah. back to that Aristotle quote. You know, it's like it's yeah. all those subtle details. They start to add up, add up, add up. Eventually, you have a really beautiful picture. And I think that's something sure. that happens in our reality is we become so dominated by that mental aspect. You know, we yes. skip earth, we skip water, we, you know, fire's pretty cool, fire's sexy. We, we throw some fire in yeah. there. <laughs> you know, but it's predominant. Everybody likes fire. Everybody likes fire. You Everybody know, it's like, if you don't, if you don't have skills at fire, fire, you'll be fine. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think that's it's such an interesting thing. You know, we we add we we put so much emphasis into that mental aspect and we end up turning into heard this analogy recently is like those ornamental those birds with like lots of ornamental feathers and they're all poofy and beautiful, but they can't fly. You know, yeah. it's like we yeah. we put in all yeah. these bells and whistles and all this stuff. It's like, but you can't do anything with it. You know, and so one of the things that yeah. sh- that you uh wrote in the book was run as you live and live as you run. You know, I think yeah. that that's just such a poignant, you know, just factor, a poignant thing to say. I'm curious if you could kind of chat a little bit about like what's, what that means to you. Yeah. You know, what I see a lot of, and it's what I've been up against being a running coach is so many people get locked into the physical level of it. Right. And that's. That's all they care about. That's all they see. That's all they want to know. They want to get into performance. They want to beat their neighbor. They want to run faster than their dog. They, you know, whatever it is, it, they really limit themselves to just the physical aspect of it. So, in that thing you were talking about just now about how you know whatever you do uh, involves everything, all levels. And uh, unfortunately, some people do get caught in one level or the other, either too mental, too physical, too uh, too emotional. And the, really, the best way to go about being a master of anything is to be able to show that you have um, accessibility to that on, on every level all the time. Right. And so, uh, when, when, I'm practicing, when I'm practicing my running, I'm always trying to be cognizant of all the levels. I'm, I say, let's say I'm doing a trail run. I'm feeling in my body. How is my technique? How am I landing? Is it too hard? Is it too soft? Is my structure good? And then I go to another level. I'll go, okay, so how am I feeling moving through this beautiful forest in the springtime? How does this affect me? You know, how, what can I take from this back into my everyday life and, and kind of spread it out through my everyday activities? How can I use what I'm doing right now? You know, or how can I settle my mind? There's the mental part, you know, I'm, I'm running here, uh, where am I using my thoughts and where are they unnecessary? Where am I being directed and where am I, you know, just kind of like letting garbage flow through? So it's, um, it's always, the one thing that's probably affected me the most is just the awareness that it takes on all the different levels. The more aware you are, the more intentional you become, and the more mindful your practice. You know, so it all comes back to that. I'm curious. Um, I think that something that everyone deals with is, you know, it's like we're all we're all trying to meditate, or maybe not all of us. I'm trying to meditate. You know, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious for you, like, what are some of the the dominating thoughts? that come barging in with you and um well how do you how do you work with that and how does that impact your running practice how does that impact your your life practice okay so what i have that i have thoughts that come in like you know um, i run a business you know there's always <laughs> there's always something going on with the business you know there's promoting something here starting up a new class here developing product doing all of that stuff and so when i'm out running um they're the the thing I get attacked with the most, if you can call it being attacked or thrown off, is just finding myself doing business work when I'm out running. And right. it's not saying that that's not a good thing to do. It's just that there are I need to be sure to establish my priorities. So if I really need a break from the business stuff, 
then I need to make sure that that stuff doesn't creep in. So when it does, I just make the observation. It's almost like I meet somebody on the trail. It's like this voice that wants to get into business. I meet somebody on the trail. Uh, I totally hear what you're saying, but you know, right now I'm in the middle of a run and I'll get back to you. Right. You know, duly noted, you know. And then so if I have, happen to have my iPhone with me, I'll take a little note. I'll write it down. Be sure to make this call. And then I move on. Yeah. I don't carry all that baggage with me. So every new thought is another whole thing to carry along. And I, I really work at dealing with the ones that are talking really loudly, dealing with them in the best way. Either I come to a solution with it or I set it into a place where I can definitely get to it later. So it really is objectifying your voices. Sure. Okay? Objectifying your voices so that you really do end up having a skill to talk with your various voices, not like they are you. They're not. Right. <laughs> it's just a thought that happens to pop up and doesn't mean you need to follow it down the rabbit hole. Right. It's just a thought, and that's all it is. And so it's not life-threatening or anything, but you just go, great, I hear you. You know, there's, there's something in me that's waving a flag right now, okay? So um, I'll acknowledge that and I'll Good. I'm going to deal with that later this afternoon. Duly noted, like I just said, you know. So it's it's really it's not trying to fight off those voices. That's not meditation. Yeah. It's allowing them to be. It's allowing them their voice, but not going wherever they lead you. It's just allowing them to be there. You fight something. What you resist persists. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to meditate and force thoughts out of your mind, and oh, I don't want to think about that, you think about it. <laughs> that magnifies it. So I don't want to magnify my thoughts. I want to put them where they belong. Right. Yeah. And that's a much easier way to deal with millions of thoughts. You're never going to stop your thoughts. I don't care who you are. Dalai Lama. Right. You know, you will never stop all of your thoughts. They, it's an automatic. It's because you're human, you have thoughts. Sure. Yeah, I think that oftentimes people get frustrated because they think like meditation, they imagine, you know, you have to be in like some cave in Cambodia, you know, and you need to have a master and you need to, you know, you're, or you need to have this really like divine spiritual practice to meditate. We can meditate as we're having this conversation, you know, just by Absolutely. clearing your mind of all the bullcrap. You know, that is yeah. a meditation just by paying attention to how my feet are contacting the ground right now. That is yeah. bringing me into the more genuine, you know, ex experience of myself. You know, I yeah. think that's what we need to be tapping into more is really just dropping the crap and getting into like what's happening right now with me. You know, and I think yeah. oftentimes we just have so much static of all this crap that we think that we want or think that we need or trying to impress this person or trying to get this job or whatever it is. It's like, no matter what, those ideas, they're, they will plague you as long as you permit them. You know, and it's like, no matter where mm -hmm. you're at, you know, we think that we, it's like, cool, once I get this job, once, you know, whatever, and all of a sudden you're 50 years old, you got all the crap you thought you wanted, you feel exactly the same and you want more. What is that? You know, I yeah. think that so many people deal with that. You know, I, and one yeah. of the things that I got to climb with really famous rock climber named Ron Kalk uh, in Yosemite, super famous in, in Yosemite. And his background, he was like Mr. Yosemite, you know, super big deal. And uh, now he's getting a little older and uh, he's, he's not climbing as strong as he used to be, but still super, super strong climber. And as we were hiking up the trail to get to this crag, 
one of the things that he said that kind of stuck with me is like, he's like, man, like the climb, I'm not even thinking about the climb. You know, I'm thinking about every individual step, you know, and that is the most important thing. It's like, we're not, I'm not allowing my mind to wander to where I'm going to be in five minutes or two years or whatever, but it's like, I want to make every step as impactful and profound and perfect as possible within my will. You know, I think yeah. that's just, it's just so, such a profound thought. You know, yeah, this whole practice. Yeah, no, this whole practice of why chi running and chi walking are so profound for a lot of people is that it, that by paying attention, and a big part of the practice of chi walking and chi running re- requests that you pay attention and listen to what's going on in your body. Every moment, every step, just like your friend. And, um, and what, it, what people realize is that it does bring them into the moment. It brings them into what's, what's to bear right now, right in front of my face, and how do I respond to that? So the whole practice of learning chi running is all about you know, paying attention to your alignment, paying attention to your foot strike. How do you carry your arms? Where are you holding tension? So then it's every time that you um, take a moment to pay attention to one of those aspects and observe yourself, we call it body sensing. Every time you sense your body, you bring yourself into the present moment because your body does not ever, ever live in the future. And it certainly doesn't ever live in the past. It's all, you, the body is one thing you can guarantee. It's always just right here, just right now. If you can tune into your body, that puts your mind there. That's the trick that a lot of people haven't figured out yet in terms of, like you said, meditation. They try to meditate somewhere else, like they're going to be somewhere there, or you know, they try to India. go. They try to go everywhere but inside, right. and you know, and so um, this is a, the body is absolutely, I think, the best way to get you really, really present, and uh, and then you it opens you up to all kinds of choices that go from here forward, and it's the people that try to get their minds to uh, control everything are the people that move forward uh, in a much more stiff and un- <laughs> uneventful way, right. you know? I mean, there's so much more to be had when you don't try to control absolutely every move with your mind. So it's mind-body work. That's, that's what really being mindful is about. It's n- people think being mindful means using your mind a lot. It doesn't. Being mindful means you are constantly being observant of what is not your mind, right. you know, that's, that's what being mindful is. It's the opposite of what most people think it is. So it's really just paying attention. And in order to pay attention, you always have to be in your body and in the present. Yeah. You know, it's the only time you can pay attention. Yeah. I think of the mind body connection, almost like the avatar movie where avatar fell up, jumps on like the dragon beast or whatever it is. And he oh, like, yeah. plugs his tail into his butt or however plugs it works. In, yeah. Right. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, the driver, that's, that's, that's your mind, you know, and then the, the avatar dragon guy, you know, that's your body, you know, but you yeah. got to make that connection. And so many people, you know, we're bucking around the rodeo. We're not, we don't have any connection with our yeah. vehicle, you know, but it's about yeah. that slowing down and really tapping in like, yeah, like what, what is it like to, to integrate my body and my mind? I'm curious. Um, as far as like actionable steps, you'll hear me say that word a lot, um, for mm-hmm. sensing your body and really like making that yeah. progress happen right now. Like what's some stuff that people can think about? Oh, it's two really simple things. One, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh does all the time to watch your breath. 
<laughs> watch your breath. Watch every single breath. Don't, don't skip breaths. Watch every single breath without fail. Uh, what I tell people to do is go out for a walk. I mean, if you're going out for your lunch hour or something like that, time yourself for like 15, 20 minutes and just feel, be observant of every time your foot touches the ground. Mm. Every time each foot touches the ground, one step after another, just be aware of just touching the ground. That's it. If you can do that for 30 minutes, you will come back a different person. Okay. Most people can't last past about 30 seconds. Okay. But if you really hold your attention there, that's what starts eliminating all the extraneous thoughts and allows your brain to actually start focusing and uh, seeing what is actually really there. Yeah. So it's a very simple exercise, extremely difficult for a lot of people to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. sounds so simple, but you go, yeah, yeah, I could do that. No problem. Try it. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, I think that, that with, with the breath, sometimes, again, it's the same thing. If you have restrictions or imbalances in your body and you tell someone to breathe, but the rib cage is cranked over to the left and they have this rotation, it's the scoliosis, all this stuff. It's like, take a deep breath in. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, there's, there's a yeah. lot of steps to open that up. But again, it's, it's, that's okay. You know, it's like, you're exactly where you're at and you're perfect and you're beautiful. Start working from there. Start kind of opening it up from there. I'm curious. Yeah. What, did you, you have something to say about that? I was going to say a lot that you just made a really good point. A lot of people wish they were somewhere other than they are. Right. And uh, in fact, a lot of people don't even know where they are. So <laughs> that's one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people who want to move forward to get through is where are you at right now? They don't want to see that. They don't want to look at that. So it's really what can you do to get them in their body present and then they can get a sense of where they're starting from. Yeah. So people want to be really fast and they imagine themselves being really fast or be a huge athlete or, you know, and, and they want to be there before they realize. It's like somebody living in Bend, Oregon and wanting to go to New York City and um, they're actually, you know, in Kansas City. <laughs> you know, this is where you're at right now. How are you going to get to where you need to get? Right. Not from the other place, not from some other place, but from where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing is like, things can always be worse. Things can always be better. But you know, thing, the, the fact of the matter is that things are, are perfect exactly where they're at. You know, and yeah. it's, it's yeah. all your perception of what's happening. Sometimes the people with the least amount of money, the least amount of, you know, family or friends or whatever it is, somehow there's so you, family and friends are pretty important, you know, but somehow they're still so happy you know like what is that yeah you know one yeah. of the things yeah. just just the other day the other days and yesterday um i was i'm still like right now i'm jet lagged I, I i just got off a plane last night at like midnight and i was i got like three hours of sleep the night before and i had this conference thing to go to and i was like you know i wanted to be all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and the morning i woke up and it was just like oh my god three hours of sleep like this sucks oh my god you know and then all of a sudden literally like within seconds every morning i do a, a gratitude list i go through all the things i'm grateful for and so i i changed that up to i'm so thankful for those three hours of sleep i got all yeah. of a sudden like literally it was like like bam like i f feel kind of all right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I got three hours of sleep. That was fantastic. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things we get caught in our we get caught in our judgments of what's yeah, going on. Right. You know. Exactly. And that's an energy drain right there. Judgments. Right. You know, yeah, one of the things sure. I'm curious with you as far as relating back to chi running, um, one of the, the concepts that you talk about 
is uh, cotton and steel and yeah. relating cotton and steel, you know, it, with, with your movement practice. And is that a Tai Chi term? Or is that your term? Yes, it is a Tai Chi term. In fact, um, it's, it's, there are different versions of that Tai Chi uh, term. But I think a better term for that is, uh, was in um, a later edition of the book. And I put in the term needle in cotton. Okay. So there's cotton and steel, needle and cotton. They're the same thing. But if you think of a needle, it's much more emblematic of what the image is trying to show. The needle, uh, it's all about yin and yang. The needle is the gathering of yin. It's the alignment of your body, if you want to represent that way. Cotton is the moving parts, you know. So there always has to be, they're not opposites. They're complements. You cannot have one without the other, you know. It's all relative. So, so when you work on your alignment, you need to make it, you know, just as thin and straight, uh, like almost like an imaginary line through the center of your body. That's the axis around which most of your movement happens. But it has, it can't be like a steel girder. It has to be <laughs> tiny, like a needle. Right. But you know how needles don't bend, you know, they're tempered. And so, uh, has to be like, more like a needle. And then the cotton, that softness is how you interact with your environment, how you contact the ground, how you, how you move the moving parts. And so, yes, very much a Tai Chi principle. And it's all, and you know, take it on different levels. You know, you walk into a, a business meeting, you're trying to negotiate a contract with somebody. You want to be aligned with your principles, but you want to be able to move with that partner so that they can feel like they're being negotiated with. You don't want to be like, it's my way or the highway, dude, you know? No, it, you, you, that's this whole thing. You don't want to lose that central sense of yourself, but you really want to be able to flow with whatever, whatever happens without ever losing that internal sense. Hmm. Yeah, that's needle in cotton. Awesome. And so does, does that relate? So that was a, a, like more of a metaphoric perspective. Does it relate? I, well, you mentioned kind of how it is physically as well. Is that something that a person, is there like a, a needle and cotton practice that one can, or is that more like we're practicing oh, right now? No, yeah, it's a description of all of Tai Chi. It's like, you know, if you want to put physical terms onto yin yang, right. there you are. Okay. You know, it encompasses everything. Everything is always that way. And, you know, that is... That is kind of emblematic of everything, but it's a really good little um, visual reminder whenever you're doing anything of the two energies you want to have going on with every single movement. Okay. And do you have any specific breath practices that you do? Yeah, I have a number of breath practices that I do. So there's, um, uh, when I'm running, I've been... Uh, really a lot studying, um, doing most of my running uh, with my mouth closed, mm. you know, and really doing nose breathing. I all, I've, all along, I've always done belly breathing because it gets a much better oxygen exchange down in your deeper lungs when you're belly breathing. It also sends, and, and nose breathing really lets the air uh, pass through your sinus passages, you know. If you breathe in through your mouth, the air doesn't get as far down into your lungs, mouth breathing. The other thing about nose breathing that not a lot of people know about is that uh, when you breathe in through your nose, in your soft palate above your, up in your sinuses, above your mouth, the roof of your mouth, 
your body produces nitric oxide. Now, it's not nitrous oxide or we'd all be happy. <laughs> you know, it's nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. And it really opens your blood vessels, okay? Helps your blood vessels to flow better. So your body naturally produces that. It's also naturally produced in the lining of some of your blood vessels. And so when you breathe in through your nose, you get to take in that nitric oxide into your lungs, goes on into your bloodstream, and it helps to dilate all your vascular system. The other thing that breathing in through your nose does is that all those, you know, when you're doing pranayama or any yogic exercise, a lot of no they do a lot of nose breathing. That is to relax your mind because all the little cilia that trap the dust particles and stuff and create moisture in the air that goes into your lungs also are tied in to uh, a nervous system thing where your where the nerve ending goes into your brain and can actually lower your brain wave pattern. Mm. So that's why you do this nose breathing before meditation, before yoga, before any of those more sentient practices is um, uh, is to create that settled feeling. So there's a number of things that come from being able to nose breathe. And so, uh, and the other thing that, that it does is that it, if you've ever tried it, if you're trying to do a strenuous exercise and only nose breathing, where you have to breathe kind of harder, you, it kind of starves you for oxygen. And so what it ends up being is a very good substitute for altitude training mm. because it starves your lungs for oxygen. Then they, out of that, if you do it for a number of weeks or whatever, your, your lungs start producing more extensive capillary beds to capture more oxygen because they're not getting what they're used to. Right. Okay? So it's like legal blood doping. Okay. You know? And uh, there's a wonderful guy in Ireland that has written a whole book on it that's going to be released in September. And uh, he and I have been um, chatting back and forth for quite a while now, and it's fascinating stuff. It's really fascinating. Awesome. And a lot of the elite athletes, you know, um, are using this nose breathing technique now so they don't have to travel to high altitudes to do it. I, uh, I'm going to go from PG-13 to, to R here. Um, is there any, in speaking of like chi, is there any relation to sexuality and, and getting the most out of running in, from your perspective, it's okay if you're like, I don't know, but is that anything that you've ever thought about as far as like, one of the things that I've talked to with, with speaking to like older, older guys, like that I consider to be in good condition. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like, what do you do? Like, what, like me, I'm a younger guy, like, what do I do to maintain vitality in, you know, while I'm 110 yeah. years old? And one yeah. of the things that they tell me is you don't want to be spraying about, you know, you don't want to necessarily be ejaculating, you know, consistently or often. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. No, I've actually, you know, read quite a bit, uh, on that. And it is true from all the reading that I've found, and I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong, but from what I have read, um, it is more important for a man to hold that energy in than for a woman. Right. And um, so it's different between the sexes, you know. So I can't speak for women in the group. I can speak for how it affects me. But I do know that it um, does tend to work. Uh, doesn't have to block your sexual energy at all. Right. Not at all. That has very little to do with your sexuality when you really get into it. Yeah. Sexuality is really about, again, allowing energy to move through your body. Allowing it to move through your body. And, um, and like you were just saying, don't waste it. Right. You know? 
Yeah. And uh, but um, I I did want to just mention that it, it is different for men and women. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so is that something that you have um, tinkered with as far as like actually running practice yourself of like noticing like I'm running a lot better this way or that way or, or not so much? Oh, the only thing I've noticed really is if I um, sometimes I have a little less energy after making love. Hmm. Okay. If I have a race the next day, don't even think about it. Okay. You know, um, I do, but I just notice subtle things in that way. But I don't like stop myself from being sexual because I'm worried about not having energy. No, uh, but in terms of running, I'm not worried about unless I'm racing. Okay, doesn't doesn't bother me. It's not like something I want to get hard lined with or anything like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to get somebody on the show and just sometimes do like it a full relaxes hour on that. me even better. Yeah, it would be a great topic. Yeah. Sometimes it can be more relaxing too if you have a lot of pent up tension and stuff like that. You're sexual. You can get a chance to like let some of the steam off, and then yeah, it feels great to go out and just run and relax and have fun. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that in our culture, it's like such a taboo subject. You know that it's like <laughs> it's such yeah. a huge like the reason that you and I are here is from sex. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. like, just don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, tell me about it, man. I was raised Southern Baptist, and that's what taught me to look else, elsewhere <laughs> in that experience, you know. And now I'm living in the South, you know. I, I got another side, side talk back to PG-13. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned in the book was um, Kenyan runners, and I, some other country. I think it was like Sweden or somewhere. Do you remember what you related Kenyan, Kenyan runners to another country? And what the thing was, was that, you know, the Kenyan runners was like, oh, wow, look, their, their legs are, are so much more slender, you know? And that, so it's the, these other guys, they're muscly, but they're not winning these, these, these ultra races. And yeah. so what they were attributing that to, I mean, it's kind of like chicken or the egg, you know, but the, the thought would be that, their legs are slimmer because they're moving more effectively, which means they need to develop less muscle to get the job done. Um, I'm curious your perception on, I mean, I, I think I kind of have a, a good idea of your thoughts on it, but like compartmentalizing movement, you know, breaking down individual mm -hmm. muscles versus yeah. more of a holistic practice of movement. Yeah, it's, um, I would say that, you know, with the Kenyans, I mean, I can't speak for the Kenyans, but I do know that a lot of, um, a lot of the Kenyans through the years have, you know, they've even, um, uh, Daniel guy, the guy from Harvard that did the born to run thing. Um, I can't remember his last name right now, but, uh, should run and get the book, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Kenyans spend many more of the, their years growing up uh, without the encumbrance of shoes, okay? We have to learn to run with shoes because like people in northern climates, it gets cold, you have to wear shoes, and then we are at the mercy of shoes, okay? So the Kenyans learn to run really efficiently because when you run barefoot, you do learn to run really efficiently right. from an early age. It's much more difficult if you're like a run-of-the-mill American runner trying to go into a Vibram Five Fingers and all of a sudden you get injured and wonder why. And you go, well, gosh, you're supposed to be able to run better barefoot. Well, 
No, you don't have the same body you run when you're a kid and you ran barefoot <laughs> running around the block. You know, you need to take your time to transition into that. But you're right. The Kenyans, because they run barefoot, they run incredibly efficiently. They don't need to produce a lot of body mass. They, um, you know, their breathing is good. Their, their relaxation level is good. You watch how relaxed the Kenyans are. There's nobody that can match them. And they also run with, you know, chi running is all about having a nice little forward lean. They all run with that. Mm. You watch all the white guys chasing them down, they're straight up and down. Yeah. And because they are trained to have all their force in their legs. That's, that is, you know, the Kenyans are so efficient, they don't even have a VO2 max like all the other competitors they're beating. Right. You know, they don't need to work that hard. It's like they don't need to breathe that hard. They, you know... It's amazing when you get the first, if anybody gets a first-hand glimpse of watching these guys run, they are on another different planet from everybody else who's working so hard to do it because they can naturally do it. On the other hand, you know, I read a Runner's World magazine years ago that they interviewed a Kenyan and they said, so how do you run so fast? And the guy goes, I don't know, I just run fast. I, I can't tell you how I do it. I just do that. And... Uh, which is normal because they, they don't pay, they don't have to stop and go, well, why am I doing this? Sure. And because um, they just do. And it, it's like asking a fish, how do you swim? I don't know, wait, you know, I just do. Right. And, um, but then if somebody is trying to catch that Kenyan, then they got to find out how they're going to catch the Kenyan. And the, I've said for years, the only way, the only way we are ever going to run as fast or faster than the Kenyans is to run like a Kenyan. Right. You know? And it even helps if you have a body type like the Kenyan. Sure. But I won't even give them that. But if you can run like a Kenyan, you got way higher odds of, you know, keeping up with one. Yeah, one of the uh, things. So it was it was uh, Christopher McDougall that wrote yeah. that, that book, and um, it was it was studying. I guess not studying. He was he was cruising out with that's uh, called the, the Tarumara tribe, and I believe yeah, it's, yeah. I believe it was Copper Canyon in like north. Yep. What's that? North Northern West Mexico. Mexico. Is it? I think yep. it's Northwest, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And so and so he was cruising with those guys, and um, you know the thing is is they are running with they've been running barefoot their whole life you know so if you ever get the opportunity to go watch a canyon do it if you ever get to opportunity to go watch a little kid do it oh you know yeah <laughs> just watch a little kid right that's that's easiest yeah because they do know. it naturally they do that's it very so naturally because awesome. kids don't have strong legs so they have to just move in whatever they they can when a kid a toddler first starts to walk it's a balancing act for them. They have to balance themselves. They don't have any leg muscles. They barely got upright. Right. And so they tip themselves forward and then they pick up their feet to keep up with their fall. That's what I'm teaching people. You know, it's, I'm not teaching somebody something they haven't already experienced, but I'm teaching them to do it consciously. Right. And kids don't do it consciously. They do it just automatically. But we are meant to lose that ability so that we can gain it back and have consciousness in our bodies sure. you can't you don't accidentally run faster you need to like learn what it takes dan lieberman is the guy who did the harvard study oh, you know he's the guy that did uh did that so um but yeah yeah you can watch a kid run 
they all run with a forward fall. I, all my running classes, I always ask, okay, is there anybody in the room that never fell down running as a kid? <laughs> I've yet to have somebody say, no, I didn't fall down running as a kid. If they do, I said, well, then you never ran as a kid. Because kids lean forward, and half the time they fall down because their body gets ahead of their feet, right. too far ahead of their feet, and they lose their balance. So all I'm teaching is for adults to regain some of that nice little pull of gravity that they uh, got into before. Right. I've had the experience before where I've had to jump off a skateboard and then going faster than I actually can run. Fully yes. experienced the chi running lean. <laughs> chi running you lean bet. into face plant. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Do you? I, I have. I got lots of thoughts on 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 what happens to us to kind of break our running down, so that we need to re relearn how to run. Um, do you have any thoughts on yeah. that? On on how relearning how to run? No, no, no. Or, the the breakdown. Like what's there. yeah? What's I'm, I'm what's the missing link here? When you're four years old and you haven't gone to school and you're not wearing like Nike Shock high heel shoes, like you run pretty yeah. well. You know. Then all of a sudden you sit in desk and blah 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 blah. Like what's what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, you know, like Carolyn Mace said, your biography becomes your biology, right. you know? And so whatever, however you lead your life, you sit at a desk for 40 years, you're going to have short hamstrings. I don't care who you are. And, you know, if you don't walk around much and don't listen to your body, you're going to probably end up a little overweight as you age. And it's all these things that, um, you know, life takes its toll if you don't pay attention, sure. you know? And so, you know, over a period of 40 years, you could slip a little each year, slip a little each year, slip a little more each year, so that by the time you're 45, 50 years old, 60 years old, all of a sudden you are really not the same person that you were back when you could easily do all this stuff. So all we're trying to do is to get people to um, clean up how they are moving, how they do eat, how they do sense their body, how they do stand, so that they can start integrating that into a uh, learning how to run and move and walk how they used to when they were way much younger and they forgot, right. you know. And um, like I said, this is not new stuff. <laughs> not new stuff to anybody. We've all been there. But most of us. Is there any age that it's like it's starting to get too late? Um, God, my oldest student was 86. Nice. That's what I hear. It's It's... It's not what chronological age, it's what mental age before it's too late. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the human body is amazingly plastic. Yeah. It'll change, you know. You can, I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, there's some vi YouTube video of some guys like 300 pounds. He ended up being like, you know, 175 buff, you know, a regular old human being again. Awesome. You know, it's because he decided that's what he wanted to do. So, and it was all the, mine. One of the questions I ask everybody towards the end of the interview is, um, if you could go back to an earlier version of yourself, you know, pick whatever age you want and, uh, give yourself some words of wisdom. What would you, what would, what age and, and what, what would you say? Um, I would probably be somewhere. I would be in my twenties. Okay. Okay. And the words of wisdom would be, to um, really learn how to be more mindful at an early age yeah. rather than having to be mindful at a later age <laughs> because <laughs> you're, you're up against all your mistakes, you know? Right. And so, 
you know, learn to eat right, learn to breathe right, learn to move right, learn to have a relationship right, you know, really be mindful about how you move through your life. I know a lot of the 20s is just, you know, practicing, it's, it's trial and error, but, you know, there are, that's why books are written, that's why there are masters around you can listen to or be around, and I would say definitely you know, get into some form of meditation practice. I mean, I started meditating when I was 21. That's like 45 years ago, you know. And uh, it is like yielded incredible results. <laughs> yeah. So is that yeah. mean you're 66 years old? I'm 65, actually. My math was off. Yeah. Nice work, man. Yeah. Well, people yeah, can't so. see you, but but uh, you're looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, I just ran, uh, just three weeks ago, I ran a half marathon at 143, wow. you know, and it was like, I I was like having a good time that night. I wasn't like hobbling around the house or anything. And it's, it's, you know, it's in your mind and it's how you, how well you use your mind to actually create the life, you know, you want, because your mind will also create what body you want. Yeah. And then the, the your mind-body connection is is how you relate to the world. You know, if you didn't have this body, you wouldn't be in this world. So take care of your mind, take care of your body. And it's the people that don't do or only do take care of one of those that pay more as they get older. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah. that's essentially, I mean, it's like if you, if you got a lawnmower, you know, and you don't take care of the gears in the mower or change the oil or, you know, whatever it is, you know, like you are going to have friction in that system. That friction yes. is analogous with those, those blocks in our own system, be it mental system, Absolutely. be it physical system, be it whatever it is, you know? And yep. so the sooner that you can start to, to break down those blocks and allow that, that energy to flow, you know, and, and yeah. call energy whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter. Energy yeah. could be just you're moving better. Energy could be chi. Energy could be whatever you're into. You know, but the sure. sooner that you get that system moving, b break down those dams, you know, and get things moving, the sooner you will start to perpetuate energy, you know, as opposed yeah. to just be continually leaking it day in, day out till eventually you will bust. You know, so figuring yeah. out how do I close up all these, you know, how do I close up my hose so I don't have all these leaks all over the place so that yeah. I can have one energetic going straight yeah. ahead. And that's kind yeah. of, I think what how to seems stop your leaks. from looking yeah, at your face to... and hearing you talk, it seems yeah. like you're, you're, you've been doing a good job with that, man. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. It's first identifying what your leaks are right. and then it's how to stop the leaks and then it's how to move without leaks. Right. And how do people find you or what's the best place to find you at? Oh, the easiest place to find me is online. It's uh, my website is chirunning.com, pretty easy. And then there's chiwalking.com as well. And uh, we have a very thorough website, tons of articles, a whole forum, a library, uh, lots of materials to help people learn about this whole system. And uh, and I, I blog weekly. We have a newsletter. There's just we want I want people to really. Um, enjoy their body this time around, you know, and <laughs> who knows what happens next time, you know, I don't, <laughs> but uh, at least this time around you have some choice over what kind of a life you have, so that's why I started this whole work and that's what I'd like people to uh, find out about. Hello, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure getting a chat with Great, you Aaron. and uh, hopefully yeah. I'll see you, see you soon. Yeah, yeah, Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon, come on out, Danny. <laughs> See you, man. Okay. Bye. Take care. Yeah.
Wine Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.